welcome into another edition of the Functional Fanaholics. And yes, you are not drunk. You can actually see our faces. You're welcome. Dude, how how excited, man. We are stepping our game up. We are giving the people what they want. Not only can they hear us, they can see us. YouTube channel on the way. Like, oh, I know we're at like six or seven followers right now, but what if? Just what if we get to that double digit listeners? Like, I will be so excited. Like, 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 who's that remind you of? Like, honestly, that the version of uh, the facial expression you're doing. I actually love that child. You're my kid living in the basement that's not paying rent, eating all my groceries. So, I'll stick with Bella. Hey, you got good snacks though. Yeah, this reminds me as you're pandering for the possibility of us to get to double digit viewers or even anybody following the show as I watch the show Good Good for Golf and we're trying to push for 1 million subscribers and we're over here talking about 10. (laughs) Baby steps, gotta start somewhere, right? (laughs) Maybe one day uh, people will look back on this and be like, wow, humble beginning. This is what it looked like at the beginning. I think that's the name of this week's episode, right? Humble beginnings. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure once people see how this uh, unfolds here, it, it'll be a bumpy road, but we'll, we'll make it entertaining. So, yeah. So back to reality, back to life. Disney's over. No more cantina. Uh, I know. We'll always have the cantina, though. But I'll tell you, Disney was quite the experience. Um, you know, solidified my stance on kids. Um, I am going to be a lifelong Funkle. No plans on having kids anytime soon after that experience, and I uh, think I'm good for a while. But I will tell you, um, pretty exciting, pretty interesting experience because, like, you know, sometimes like you say like people rub off on other people, and usually you try to say it in like the light of good, right? Like, oh, he's such a good person, and he makes brings the best out of people. Well, you kind of have like a dark side kind of vibe to you, where like maybe you're not bringing out the best of people, but like. Do you want to tell the audience what you turn those nice two ladies into at the cantina? Like, I mean, I'm not saying you turn them into thieves, but. The, uh, so I'm sure one of the listeners that we have to the show at this point are the two ladies that you're referring to. But, uh, we were sitting at the cantina and Ryan was ordering a drink that was $48 and it came with a collector's, like, ghost mug that two lovers are sitting there and forming out of freaking putty and uh i didn't feel like paying 48 dollars for the drink so we made a joke to these two ladies hey you know wink wink when we uh when you see us outside if you could uh you know hustle this drink out for us we would love it implying hey, if you'll steal this for us we would love it we assumed they thought we were joking and and we knew we were joking or whatever. So we're outside the cantina loading up the roller with the kids and whatnot. And here comes these two ladies, the mug that we left behind, like honestly think they're doing us a favor by giving us this mug, but really it's like us tricking bank robbers and bringing the bag of money to us from inside the bank to the outside of the bank. So yes, we do have this mug. And if anybody at Disney is listening. Wasn't us. Yeah, it was us. It was definitely not us. You so, did I mind so, trick yeah. them, man. You you used your little force, your little 
your little Jedi mind trick out of it, you will steal this mug. <laughs> the power of trade manipulations and fantasy football has been used in a real world situation. Who knew it could be a- applicable in other areas of life? I'll tell you what. There we go. <laughs> well, you uh, want to get into the 12 pack questions here, buddy? Yeah, let's get into the 12 pack. Qu- new, new format, right? Should we, should we update listeners of kind of what we're leaning into? We're really leaning into the love of sports, the love of a couple drinks, and. Uh, fantasy football so functional fanaholics is gonna take on a role of you know something to drink like this beautiful mountain dew with alcohol in it that i'm gonna sample here get this uh get this podcast going it's one of those like what is that like a four loco but like mountain dew's version it's literally a live warrior with alcohol all right, so you're gonna be up for a while. There's no caffeine in it, though. It just literally tastes like an alcohol version of the Mountain Dew with no calories, basically, and uh, no caffeine. So, yeah, I have to give it a go. Well, I am sipping of on a uh... oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm sipping on nope. a nice, uh, warm glass of uh, Woodford bourbon. You know, it has a very um. Very um, aroma is very bourbony. Um, the the taste it just has that great bourbon flavor on the tongue, and, and the best part is is the finish. Right, once you get that sweet little aftertaste, that little hint of bourbon on the back end, it's absolutely perfect. Love it. Woodford, solid choice. Not one of the best, but it's like the cute girl next door. Friends with the family, you know, it knows everybody. It's always safe. Like you love hanging out with it, but you know, maybe not the sexiest one that you bring around your friends. But I love it. Well, Mountain Dew and uh, Woodford are not currently sponsors, but I'm sure once somebody sends this link to them, they're probably going to be sponsors next week. So I'm excited about that. I can't wait, man. Let's monetize this. <laughs> so in the 12-pack of questions, let's uh, start it off with a question for you. Through uh, waivers and fantasy football across all the leagues that you're in, what players stuff out to you that are most likely to have some value going forward and the flash in the morning get it dropped in two weeks? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, first and foremost, waivers, I, I love waivers, right? It's like a little mini Christmas Eve, Christmas morning every single week. You know, it's like you, you put them in at night, you put the cookies and milk out and you get all excited. You're waking up at 4 a.m. to check to see if you got the gifts that you wanted and everything. Like I, I get overly excited for waivers. Um, this week was a little weird one, right? Like I think, um, you know, some of the, you know, some of the big guys, some of the big names, you know, you always get unearthed those, those big players in you know, the first couple of weeks, like the unforeseen ones that nobody drafted, right? The Pukas, the, you know, the Jerome Fords, you know, hope Chubb's okay. Um, but yeah, so this week I think was a little odd, right? I think first and foremost, the one player that I saw that people I thought overbid on across all leagues was Jaylene McLaughlin. Right. Like, I think it's just a testament to what's going on at league right now. Um, super thin at running back. And I think a lot of teams are running back desperate. So when you have a player that like a running back has a pulse and gets an end touchdown, granted, he got 100 yards and whatnot. There's injury rumors swirling around Javante. But 
Um, I think people just went an overbid, right? Not understanding that it's still going to be uh, it's Javante's backfield with a lot of Purine. Um, I know Peyton is high on on Jalene, but you know I, I don't know if what I'm seeing the bids were like thirty dollars, thirty dollars, twenty eight dollars, and I just think that that's kind of an overbid. But um, a couple other players that I did really like this week. Um, I thought Wilson was pretty solid. Um, I think Wilson's a good up-and-coming wide receiver. I think Arizona is kind of lacking that alpha, you know, after after they lost Hopkins. Um, you know, Holly was great, but he's a great number two. Um, I think Wilson has kind of that flash in the pan. He has that flash. He had that um, preseason hype. And this was a very interesting stat that I found out, too. Do you know Dobbs has a perfect passer rating when targeting Wilson? Absolutely perfect. Like, I thought that was actually pretty astonishing and just to think then you know what can Kyler do with a wide receiver talent like that um one of the other guys uh, Komet I think was another big one that you saw pop up uh, just again same as the running back like the tight end position is such a dead zone this year right so anytime anybody has a pulse like there's what there's four or five tight ends that you can maybe rely on and by rely on I mean you are happy to get five for 60 you know six for 70 like that's a good day um, but Komet, you know, you have you have Chicago's offense um, actually showed signs of life. Granted, it was against Denver, get right game, but their schedule opens up quite a bit. It's a very pass friendly schedule coming here up over the next five to six weeks, kind of like Komet um, as a as a good tight end option. And then last but not least, a little guy that I think is kind of going overlooked is Keaton Mitchell. Um, you know, what's the biggest path? You know, what's the biggest um, predictor of fantasy production is a path to playing time, right? Um, Keaton Mitchell had you know averaging six yards a carry in preseason. Tons of preseason hype into him. Uh, Monikin wants to run that spread offense that's fast-paced backs. They're not throwing to Justice Hill. You have Gus Edwards that's just plodding along. Door is wide open for some playing time for Keaton Mitchell. And I think, I granted, I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it, but I think he could um, he could have some surprise here and actually maybe be a viable flex play moving forward. Um, but yeah, so, hey, the other thing that I did find kind of odd in one of the leagues I'm in Jamison Williams wasn't owned. I put a bid in on him. I snagged him for modest, like seven, eight bucks, which I was happy for. I have Alman Ra too, so it kind of insulates me on that standpoint. But I mean, there's a lot of noise swirling around around this guy, right? You got to really see him on the field. Um, what are your thoughts on Jamo? I've talked to you about this a few times. Uh, even though we own him in the Dynasty League, I'm a little skeptical of his role in the necessity of him in that offense in a symmetry you have Ahmad, or rather, I'm sorry, Jamison Williams and Jameson Gibbs drafted in back-to-back seasons as the 12th overall pick. You're already seeing Jameer Gibbs not get utilized like everybody thought he was going to as the season started. And you also saw Jamison Williams play six games in a limited capacity last year, but still only have one catch. I don't care if you're Javante Williams coming off of a multi-ligament knee injury. You're not getting one catch in six games. So the coaching staff had showed almost like a Jim Harbaugh meritocracy. They're going to get it done with their guys no matter what. And, you know, just sitting here listening to local radio at 97.1, you know, Jared Goff was on. And from the coaches saying that they just need him to simply what we ask them to do is not a ringing endorsement. And Jared Goff saying that he's working on routes and becoming more than just a speed guy and work in progress. If that's the coach saying that, you know, please just go out there and do what we call you to do. And then 
the quarterback saying, hey, this guy's unstoppable, this guy's a freak of nature. He sounds really unpolished, and I think you're going to see him be a cardio guy this year. I think you're just going to yeah. see him run up into routes, use his speed to take, you know, the, the defender or two of them and open it up for everybody else. I really, I personally don't expect a lot from him this year. Oh, God, I hope you're wrong, but you're probably for spot seven, on. For seven or eight dollars, I don't think you're gonna. Uh, I don't think you're gonna be hurting yourself too much. Uh, speaking of pulling somebody off of the waiver wire, you know you have, you know Nakua sitting there with top practice and control with no limitations today. How do you feel the top and Nakua dynamic is gonna work uh, with you know couple coming back in? The dominator of targets when you already have played it's basically set every week the first four teams and has been basically Cooper Cup light. Can you have two Cooper Cups on the field at the same time? Yeah, no, I, I think that that's an excellent question. It's something I definitely want to unpack and something I've kind of already unpacked. I've kind of told you about, you know, I, I own Puka and pretty much all my redrafts are owned Puka in all of my redrafts. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but first, what we want to do is what I want to do is I want to look at the 2021 stats um, for Stafford, right? Um, so in 2021, Stafford had 404 completions and he threw for 4,800 yards, right? Um, of those yards, oh, and also 41 touchdowns, which is very important. Um, of that, Cup had 145 catches, which is 35% of all receptions. He had 1,900 yards, just 40% of all Matt, Pat, Matt Stafford's passing yards. Now, looking at this year with this year, Stafford is on pace for about the same. He's on pace for 437 completions and about 5,200 yards, okay? So Puka, in his first four games, has 39 catches for 501 yards. That is 37% of all receptions and 40% of yards. So that is almost identical to what Cup's season-long stats were in 2021, okay? Now, if you look at 2021, a couple things to call out. The next highest... <laughs> The next pass catcher with the highest number of receptions was Higby at 61. You then have Van Jefferson at 52. Like the drop off between those two is astronomical between Cup and then the next one. Also during that year, question for you. Do you know who their leading rusher was? I want to say Ray Mason because he helped me win the championship in 2014. A little, early, a little late. Uh, it was Sony Michelle at 800 yards, second by... Daryl Henderson at 700 yards, they combined for 50 total receptions, right? That is also what is Kieran Williams is on pace for because McVay for some reason wants to run this guy out there at 100% of the snaps, which is another weird thing that's going on. But so now if you look at this now with this situation where you have Stafford having about the same numbers, you have Cup coming in back, right? They obviously cannot both command a 40% target share or 40% reception share or 40% of yards. It's just not physically possible. That would mean nobody else on the team other than Kieran Williams is going to be catching the ball. So my thoughts around this is it's very possible to support two wide receiver twos in an offense like that or a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. In order to do that, you need to have the touchdowns because the touchdowns help add those points. It helps make up for those yards. Stafford is on pace for 13 touchdowns this season i don't see that getting much better granted when cup comes he might have two a game instead of 0.75 or whatever he's averaging but the touchdown ratio isn't there to help sustain two wide receiver ones what i believe is going to happen is you are going to have two solid wide receiver twos at the end of the season 
any given week, one of those guys could go off and be that wide receiver one. You could be a Puka week, it could be a cup week. You're never going to know. Both are going to be startable. Both are going to be rosterable. And both are going to be probably help you along the way in the season. However, if your team is in trouble, if you are a 1-3, and 0-4, oh God forbid, and you have Puka, you will never get more value for Puka than you will right now. Granted, this is all things remain the same. Stafford stays healthy. Cup doesn't get traded, right? So if you're in that situation, my recommendation is sell Puka. Fill those gaps. Get a two-for-one. Get two players for him. You know, fill a, you know, a tight end and a running back or a wide receiver running back. Like, I just went through this. Like, I have Puka in a lot of leagues. I love Puka. I fall in love with players. I get infatuated players. I love the production of them. I love his backstory, the D3 bit. And also, too, I get enamored by the name. Like, Puki Nakui, like, I just fell in love. I had to cut ties with him in a league. And I actually traded him. I talked to you about this. I traded him for Brees Hall in a league, right? Last week was tough. I had to sit there with Brees on my bench and watch Puka blow up and get his first touchdown. We're all crying. His girlfriend's crying. And we're all have all heavy feels for him. And we're all happy for him. I went through some dark times last week. I mean, alone in my bedroom corner with the lights off, crying, like missing my, my lover. I mean, but like, hey, with any breakup and with any separation, we all know that it's going to pass. Got some good news this week. Got Cup coming back. Salah said they're taking the training wheels off Brees. Kind of wheels up there. I'm excited. So it's like, hey, maybe maybe my new relationship with Brees is going to be better than the relationship I had with Puka. So again, not telling you to sell Puka, but if you're in a situation that you need to, now's the time. With that, though, talking about other very friendly pass-happy offenses, What's going on in Minnesota, man? Kirk Cousins is the fantasy quarterback everybody loves to hate on. But, man, every once in a while, like, Matt Schaub throwing 9 million yards to Andre Johnson and throwing yoga balls, terrible defense, always sitting there trying to come back, no run. It's, it's like fantasy goodness. I saw a stat the other day that was saying Justin Jefferson was number one in runs in the league, and Jay Osborne was number two, and even Jordan Addison, with his limited snaps, they run so many three wide receiver sets. He's number 16 in the NFL, and he's barely touching the field. But it's 16? just crazy that they run that many routes. And it's not like it doesn't hold water because Adam Thielen was number two in the league last year. So Jefferson was number one and Adam Thielen was number two. That's why so many people are excited about Jordan Addison because uh, at some point he takes that torch from K.J. Osborne, his yards per route one, you know, his, his target percentage of the, you know, the routes that is running is so high that it extrapolates out into K.J. Osborne, Osborne's routes you might have something there. So it's just as a whole, you feel dirt in Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's a no-brainer. But there are players like TJ Hawkinson and then potentially at some point Addison and even TJ Osborne going to pop up on the radar every once in a while just because that offense is just set up to face the ball. You think he breaks passing record? I bet you he's going to put some filthy numbers up by the end of the year that nobody's going to be comfortable seeing. It might be a little bit of Jameis Winston with like 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns and 28 interceptions, but he's going to support a lot of catchers on that offense, I can tell you that. 
And I will also tell you as a uh, question coming back at the buddy is there's an offense out there that everybody was counting on in draft season that is not carrying the candle or the torch here. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. What's going on there? Oh my God. I, so I started doing my homework around this. I started preparing to talk about it. I started looking at the numbers and I had to stop, literally stopped dead. It was the most frustrating thing. So first and foremost, let's just tell you this. I mean, in the league that we're in, I've never owned Jamar Chase. Guess what's the first year I've ever owned Jamar Chase? This, this freaking year. So it's, I was so excited for this cat. Like, it's, you, we all have those players, right? We watch those players go for year and year and year. And, uh, you know, no matter how many leagues you're in, they just never get them. And you watch them explode day in and day out, week in and week out. And when you finally get them, like, that's one of my things with Kelsey. I'm always worried. Like, the year I draft Kelsey is the year he gets hurt. Well, the year I get Chase, I got Joe Burrow with this calf injury, right? All this tells me is what I've seen is, one, first of all, their, their offense is, like, I think dead last or second to last in scoring. It's just pitiful how bad they are. Um, it, it's it's a testament, too, to, like, the day and age that we're in, right? Like, you you need to have a mobile quarterback. You cannot have, like the days of Brady being able to command the line and stuff like those are few and far between if they even exist anymore. Like with these psychopath mutant DNs that you have coming bearing down on you, you got to be able to move in the pocket. You got to be able to escape. And Burrow is a statue. The guy is hurt. His calf is hurt. He cannot move. You now realize how much more his game relies on his ability to roll out and that mobility. And it, it is, it's just not there. And so my thing is, why do they keep rolling him out? Like, he is not doing them a service. They're not putting their best game on the field. Like, I, I mean, I think what AJ McCarron's the backup, and I, who knows? But like, Chase is open. He says he's open. We all heard the sound bite. He's always effing open. I mean, it's just they don't have time to get him the ball. And I think defenses know that. I think they're keying in on it. You got Belichick coming up this week, which, hey, we all know that Belichick's that kind of guy that. If you got a shoulder injury, guess what? His players are going after your shoulder. Like if your knees hurt, they know how to attack that weakness, and that's what Belichick keys in on. I do, I, I do not like this. The, uh, oh, it's gonna be. Sorry, you gonna say something? Yeah, the, <laughs> me off? I know Cincinnati is playing New Orleans, aren't they? Uh, I thought I it was Cincy. Uh, I could be wrong, but I thought it was. I thought it was New England, but yeah, you might be right. Um, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Never mind. It's Arizona, and then oh. Goof on my part, but hey, thank God for post editing. <laughs> oh, I know who I know who's playing. Uh, never mind. Um, yeah, thank God for post. So we'll fix this. But yeah, so uh, um, but yeah, so anyways, first year I get to own Chase, and it's kind of a letdown. Do I feel confident rolling him out there every week? No. Can you bench the guy? No. Like you are stuck with what you got with Chase. And you just got to ride it out. I think give it a few weeks. I think they got the bye coming up in week seven or eight. I think you're going to have, hopefully, maybe they give Burrow a week off or two. They give him like a two to three week window to heal. And then hopefully down the stretch, then you get that that chase that you drafted at probably number two or number three overall that is not paying dividends on that draft capital. So, I mean, hey, hopefully better things are to come, but cautiously optimistic or uh, I don't know. I'm losing hope, man. Um, but hey, guess what? For every bad offense, there's a good one. And there's one that's going on right now that it seems to be clicking on all cylinders. And there's a player that's set to break some fantasy records. You want to dive into CMC and San Fran for a bit? You just have a situation that you saw it in Carolina. You have almost like a baby LaDainian Tomlinson type effect going. 
it, it reminds me of Kelsey last year, where if you had Kelsey, he just absolutely lapped the field at the position. Every scoring system is a little bit different, but I saw through the first four weeks and in generic PR scoring, CMC was at 120. Then the second highest score running back was at like 89. I think it was John Robinson, maybe. And then at like 80 and 79 was like Kyron, you know, Williams and whatnot to the running back. But if you have 75% of your scoring at the number two RB, and then you have you know, the 66 percentage mark at the next grouping of running backs that's like Kelsey outscoring the position by like 100 plus points last year. You just have a monster advantage. So when you're sitting there talking about a player like Mark Chase, I knew he took number two in our main league and you passed on CMC, hindsight, you know, 2020, it's painful to see somebody that's such a difference maker that's aligned perfectly with a play caller that is going to utilize him. As long as he stays alive and the birds, you know it's going to be utilized. It's the same thing with Cooper Cup. If there was no Kua and he came out of the preseason and was playing, you know Sean Bay would have made sure he got 180 or 190 targets. So every once in a while, you get the perfect play caller with the perfect player, Kittle, Ayu, Samuel, all those guys are going to be hurt by the fact that CMC stays healthy because all of them are pro bowlers. They're just not getting utilized to be pro bowlers. CMC will be an all-time for this year as long as he stays healthy. And those guys just need to play second, third, and fourth fiddle as long as he's healthy. Can't argue there, man. It's He looks like he's breaking records. Yeah. I mean, to uh, pass a, another question back in your direction, speaking of that number seven, I assume drink number seven now. Uh, we have A-Chan? I think that's how he wants it pronounced, H-I, yeah, right? I mean, if we're going to do this, we got to do it correctly. So from the enunciation I heard, it was A-Chan. Daybon A-Chan, right? <laughs> that's one way to say it. I, but, I don't know. It's 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 the A train. Let's just call it A train. I think that's going to work from now on. And then we don't have any nicknames are better because you don't have to worry about it. You make them up as you go. So something, uh, dude. I actually had fun diving into this guy, and he was somebody that um, you know I grabbed him in a dynasty league. Very weird too, because like it was between him and James Cook that I was targeting, and James Cook went up pick before I took H on or A train. Uh, ended up landing him. So I'm kind of excited about things to come. However, I am very cautiously optimistic because water, as you say, water always finds this level and his production is not sustainable. So let's look at this real quick. So through those two games that he had, he had two blow up games or not counting his week three or week two when he was active because he saw like I think maybe five snaps. Um, but he had 26 carries and seven catches. Okay. Through those 26 carries and seven catches, that was 71 fantasy points in a standard PPR format. Okay, that's 2.15 points per touch. To put that into perspective, let's compare it against the guy that you were just talking about. CMC on the year, he has 102 points on 98 touches. That's 1.04 points per touch. A-Train is over double. That's almost two, two and change 
points or two and change times the CMC production, it's just it's just not like it's not sustainable. It's gonna come back down to earth. However, how far back down to earth is yet to be determined. I think he's going to remain a very high, like an uber high efficiency back. He's going to get that 10 to 12 touches a game. You know, he is undersized, right? In, in the we have not seen a undersized running back that has been productive and carried a heavy workload, meaning like got 40 to 60% of those carries since war done. Granted, not meaning that can't happen again, but it's been a while and things are kind of not in his favor for being a workhorse back. However, what do I see happening? I do see him staying involved in that 40 to 50% of the backfield. I think you're going to have Jeff Wilson come back and take maybe some of more of that between the tackles kind of bit. They're going to try to run, burn him, probably burn him out. I don't think McDaniels cares about a journeyman back. Um, Moster is obviously 31, and I think a ticking time bomb. So your best bet is with A train is you're going to play him. You're locked and loaded in your roster every single week because of just his upside. However, you have to be ready for those letdown weeks because there's going to be those weeks where he doesn't get those touchdowns. There's going to be those weeks where he's only going to score you that eight to 10 points. Probably not going to happen very often, but I, I mean, again, I'm high on the guy. I love the guy. I dropped him in a redraft league. I tried to fob him. I missed. I tried to trade for him. I missed. Um, but like, yeah, I love him. I just think people have just this super unrealistic expectation that he's going to keep doing that. But we all know that that is absolutely impossible. So, but can he carry that offense? Can that can McDaniel's find creative ways to use him and run that offense through him? Absolutely. I have all the faith in the world in McDaniel's, and I absolutely love the guy. Another running back that we kind of have seen maybe the offense start to run through Kansas City Pacheco. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting uh, he's an interesting player to watch for the first four weeks because he was so injured season and then slowly barely pressed into being in a position to be ready for one and then you've seen his snap percentage and his utilization as each week has gone on and just from being an avid football fan I can't give you like a fancy number but just watching the way the Kansas City offense is running there's not time to kill there there's not 28 Travis Kelsey running around. It's like a Terminator. You play 100% of the snaps and, and you can throw 50 targets. And this year's the bones and everything slow down Kelsey a little bit. Those receivers are not progressing the way that I think Andrew and Mahomes would want them to. And I, I don't know if he's truly special talent. But I think Kansas City this year really needs him to actually take a heavy workload. And he always has reminded me of Amon Bradshaw. I can't remember if Amon Bradshaw was completely undrafted, but he used to run for an undersized back as maniac with the baby Marshawn Lynch. And you heard, you know, comparison on the coverage of, hey, this guy runs like Marshawn. Nobody runs like Marshawn. Marshawn Lynch is, is, is an all-time. And he was built to handle 30 touches a week, blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you what, just from I, what I see from that team, Pacheco, is they need him this year. Mahomes can just drop back there and, and perform magic. When Tyreek left, everybody wondered what would happen with that offense. And Kelsey was a superhero last year. And Mahomes was a superhero about bandaging 
together the receivers and the game plan and all that and somehow they won a Super Bowl. I don't think they can do it the way it's constructed right now without Pacheco taking a much heavier workload than I think what people are anticipating coming into the year. Are you saying the Dubai candidate? Like you're going after him? I mean, I, we just we just sold him. <laughs> Out of uh, pure desperation, Ryan, we had a Ferrari that did not have an engine. And uh, we needed to put uh, just a 100-horsepower engine into that Ferrari to make it look like a show pony. So Wait, so you're saying in a super flex dynasty league, it's not good to have Deshaun Watson and Dobbs as your starting two quarterbacks and then Ritter as your third backup on the bench? Like, that's bad? Is that what you're telling our fans? Not when you have five of the top ten overall draft picks and ADP all on Foster, you just need to have two hands on the steering wheel and guide that go home. You need to at least have a warm body in the quarterback. So we'll get a little running back and hope to stay healthy with that. That's for sure. Hey, in Mike, I trust you'll find us a running back when we need one. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, injuries and potentially being a little bit thinned out. God knows the Saints don't want to start James Winston, but how in God's green earth do you put their car out there knowing that you can't run the offense efficiently and you just literally destroyed the entire New Orleans offense and all of their fantasy assets? Again, you gave me the fun ones, right? Like, same similar situation. I actually got, was able to get a little further looking into this one. Um, yeah, I don't know what he was doing on the field, man. Obviously, his shoulders hurt. Like, at, there's there's a reason Kamara had what 14 catches. I don't even know how many targets. It was just it was all short, intermediate area, low. Like 14 yeah. catches for 33 yards. No receiver in the NFL has ever had 14 catches and had less than 71 yards. He had 33. I mean, it tells you something, right? Like he's hurt. And he's hurt more than probably we realize. And like, and even before he was hurt, he wasn't that good. Like he was actually like, I mean, I looked at his numbers and like his average at the target since he's been started in New Orleans is almost identical to that of what he was in Las Vegas or Oakland or wherever it was when he started. So his, his average that is a dot was about the exact same. I think he was averaging about a nine. He's at a 8.5 in New Orleans. Okay. So he's still chucking the ball deep. He still got that. However, that's 763 yards and his perfect touchdown to interse interception ratio of two touchdowns to two interceptions is not good. Like, how much of that was Devontae Adams, right? Was Devontae Adams, like, the key that, like, broke him loose? Like, obviously, I think you threw – you gave me the stat that, like, 10 of Devontae's touchdowns were, like, of 30 yards plus or something last year, which is just insane and ridiculous. That's what I was expecting for Olave. Like that's what you that's what you were expecting for Olave. Like I know you were just as high on him as I was and had those expectations. And granted, hey, yes, through those first three weeks, Olave was good. Not great. He was a solid wide receiver too. He had like 32 targets through three weeks. He was getting about 100 yards a game. Touchdowns you were hoping were coming. But now you see last week. And now you're like, okay, maybe there is some concern. And if 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 Olave is going to be that much of a yo-yo, like how confident, how much can you trust them? Like, are you are you praying that they just bench Carr and 
did you get Jay Boo out there throwing those, what you call them, those YOLO balls to Alave? Like, that's what I'm hoping for now. I mean, I have a lot of stake in Alave. I have him in three leagues. I've been trying to trade him. Nobody wants him. wonder why. Um, and the one saving grace, the one thing that I do have that's kind of giving me a saving hope is his unrealized air yards, which are first in the league at 353 yards, right? There's no other one. I think the second closest is T. Higgins at two or some whatever. But he does have 353 unrealized air yards, which means they are thrown to him deep. They are trying to get the ball to him. I know there's been some contested breakup catches and stuff that he's maybe missed on. He missed a freaking touchdown last week that would have saved his day. It was a 30-40 yarder, um, but it just hasn't been there. And honestly, like, I don't see Carr getting better in this offense, and that's what really, really scares me. And I think as Kamara comes back, you get then Jamal Williams coming back. Are they going to be more run-focused? Are they going to try to lean on Kamara? And, you know, is he going to have those, like, 8 to 10 catch games with 40 to 50 yards? Like, I don't know. But I am I'm worried until I see it. I'm going to try to be, probably talk about Alave later in the set. He's, uh, he's on my list. Um, I'm nervous about him. And I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm borderline benching him, like, until I see it or until I know Carr is healthy. And I don't know, man. What are you doing with him? We have him in Dino. Like, what are you doing with the dude? Alave is the least of my worries. You can't have one week with an injured quarterback when Alave was averaging six or seven catches and 103 yards a game. Touchdowns are a fickle thing. Alave is one of those guys that, like, you see guys, like, stick around the league that are just gamers. Like, Alave is like a Tory Holt or somebody that's, like, that six foot, six foot one, just a rubber winning. He has elite speed. I have no worries. If somebody offered me a lot of Andy's, I'll scoop him up. Offer him to be in our main league, and I'll, I'll cut a deal for you. I love Lave. So if it's Jimo, then Carter worked for two or three weeks. At some point, Carter's going to come back. If you're getting, you know, seven for 103 in PPR, you're bound to have matriculation of five, six, seven, eight touchdowns in there. I, I wouldn't be worried about him at all. So yeah, and maybe let me refresh. I'm worried until I see a healthy car. Let's put it that way. That's that's understandable. So hey, with a negative surprise, like we were all expecting a hell of a lot more out of New Orleans and Carr and and Olave. What about a sneaky surprise that kind of came up out of nowhere on us the other way? What the hell is going on in the desert, and why do they look competitive? I'll tell you what, I, I think most people begrudgingly drafted James Conner, you know, Hollywood Brown, players like that. Obviously, Michael Wilson has come out of nowhere. Two quarterback leagues with Dobbs was in our dynasty. We're hoping Dobbs can stay a lot for us for a couple more weeks until Murray takes over. Speaking of Murray, I got him just like Zach Moss is producing in Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor's a much better version of, than Zach Moss is. So if Zach Moss is, you know, producing, if Jonathan Taylor's anywhere close to 100%, I'm sure he's going to fall out. I have got to imagine a pedigree, Kyler Murphy, even if he's not running around, which will probably be better because he's not going to steal rushes from Connor and he's probably going to sit in the pocket and throw better balls, theoretically. I got him, and there's this little bit of a sneaky appeal trying to put 
chief player that end end of season hero, like what you would have to pay for James Conner right now, and what he may produce if he actually plays healthy down the end of the season could be monumental. I don't think there's a cheaper running back you can acquire right now that's going to give you as much production, and I expect the production to go up. Players like Hollywood Brown without DeAndre Hopkins, everybody knows it's, it's well stated in those five or six games that he had during Hopkins suspension, he was wide receiver five. Yeah, I know personally because I have him in numerous leagues, and you just saw me trade for him in our main league. He's like 15, 16, 17 points three weeks in a row in PPR and flex, especially somebody that you can acquire so cheaply for a bench and set. I'll take 16 or 17 points in my flex for, you know, a guy that you can get for, well, traded kind of game well, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. So players like that, that you're getting, especially with five weeks, the ability to start, and then they have an even higher ceiling once Murray comes back. That's a that's a very attractive offense to uh, to be trying to acquire. Oh, and even better, a little icing on the cake. Not so much for the Connor, but for that passing. Look at their playoff schedule. They have San Fran, which honestly, San Fran can be thrown on. We just saw Michael Wilson tear them apart. All right, seven for seventy some and two. So they have San Fran, which obviously not the best, but hey. We're all savvy enough. We're getting first-round buys anyway, so we're not going to be playing in week one of the playoffs. Yeah. Week two, Chicago. Week, or I'm sorry, second week of the playoffs, Chicago. And in the finals, they have Philadelphia, which can be and is. They're giving up like 300, 400 yards a game. Like it, They can get thrown on now. They are not the Philly of last year. They'll still get after the quarterback. They'll still sack. But those passing, like that passing schedule down the playoffs, like, Go get Kyler. Go get those wide receivers. Like that, those are people that keep those guys on your bench and break them out. You know, break glass when needed. We're uh, discussing an overachieving offense. Why don't we uh, talk about our favorite topic on this podcast? Which anybody that starts to tune in on the regular, you better be ready for the weekly installment. And I'm sure we have to have some sort of little shtick or like some sort of little, you know, music play in for this, but let's talk about an underachieving offense. Thank God John Robinson exists because if he didn't, a nuclear bomb could be dropped on that stadium, take out all of Atlanta. Ryan, talk to me about your favorite being in the world, Arthur Smith and, and really somebody that both of us admire the hell out of even though we may be injured in Kyle Pitts. What's your what's your thoughts on that? So in this week's episode of Arthur Smith Hates Your Fantasy Team. Oh, by the way, too, I I want to call him Artie. I feel like he would hate being called Artie. I just feel like that would annoy the piss out of him. So I would just want to refer to him as Artie from here on forward, just because I just think that that would get under that. his skin a little bit. But hey, call back to our first episode, right? Do you remember I was talking? I couldn't come up with the name of the movie, but there was a movie I was telling about where these two guys kidnapped the sports player on the opposing team to keep him out of a finals game so that their team could then win. Well, I found out that movie. It was called Celtic Pride. It was with Mar. You remember Mar from Home Alone? The frickin- yep. They actually decided to give this guy a leading role. So it was Mar from Home Alone, Dan Aykroyd, and um, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, like they were Marv and Dan Aykroyd were big Celtics fans. Like I mean, over the top Celtics fans. They had everything in their houses were like green and this. They bled green and whatever Celtics other color is. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so 
they were playing against this other team in the finals and they wanted the boss in the win. So they went and kidnapped the very, like the star player on the opposing team. The star player was played by Damon Williams. He was a very like selfish ball hog, like, oh, give me the ball. It's me. The team runs through me. You all suck. Like over the top, right? This movie was very much over the top. Well, anyways, they kidnapped him and some weird things happened. The movie was kind of, the movie's bad. It was pretty annoying, but I did my homework. I had to follow through with it. And anyways, they ended up bonding with him through the kidnapping experience. Long story short, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, stop the pod now. They ended up bonding with him. And during the finals, they ended up letting the guy go where he got loose. And he played in the finals against the Celtics. Well, their bonding moment rubbed off on him and they taught him something. They taught him how to pass. And he made a moment where he looked up in the stands and he saw them and they made eye contact. And instead of taking the shot, he passed the ball. And it was all about his coming to age and how he became a better player and yada, yada, yada. So now imagine if we chose this route with Artie, not through violence, like right, we're not kidnapping anybody. That's not what we're about. But maybe like through love instead of violence. And maybe like we went and mowed his lawn or like picked up his dog poop or I don't know. We did something nice for him and we became friends with him. And then we started to tell him about how much that he sucks as a coach impacts our fantasy football life. And maybe, just maybe, we could teach him how to pass the ball to Kyle Pitts. Because I am telling you what, I don't know what to do with this guy anymore. I am I I know I'm not alone on this. I know anybody out there that drafted Kyle Pitts is literally ripping their hair out. And if it wasn't for the fact that the tight end position is so bad, that literally, again, you're happy to get that five for 60 from your tight end, that you have Kyle Pitts and you probably don't have another option. I have him in a league with Andy, right? Andy, good friend of the pod, good friend of me, co-manage a team with him. He Pitts fell to us in the eighth round and we should have let him fall farther. So we have been struggling to know what to do with him. And Looking at this, I think I've identified the problem. And I don't know if it's Artie, Mike. It might not be Artie. We might be pointing the finger at the wrong person. Looking at Kyle Pitts amongst all tight ends right now, he is seventh in routes run, fourth in routes run from the slot. He is 10th in targets and target share. Now, ADOT, air yards, and deep targets, he is number one amongst all tight ends. The problem's not Arthur Smith. The problem is Ritter. And my thing is, hey, there's one of three things that needs to happen. Pitts needs to get traded. Arthur Smith already, already needs to be like, oh, I wasted, they wasted the you know, a high draft pick on a tight end. That doesn't make sense to me because I want to run the ball. So they need to trade Pitts, which I'm not sure is going to happen. There needs to be a regime change, which also I don't think is going to happen this year. Or what the most likely outcome is going to happen after Ritter loses about one or two more games, I think you're going to enter in Heineke, right? Heineke's more of a gunslinger approach. He likes to throw the ball. He will chuck it deep. Maybe he has a better deep accuracy than Ritter because I don't know if it could get much worse. But they're making the attempts to get Pitts the ball. It's there. It's just not producing in the fantasy football numbers. And if you have him, he's a bench stash. You hopefully you have another tight end. But if not, just roll him out there. And, hey, if he gets you two for 15, then what's the difference? Three points as of six points at the tight end position. But, I mean, other than that, I just don't know what else to do with him. I don't know if you have any other thoughts or or where you fall on the guy, but that's my take. I, I believe he's really hurt. I mean, 
you're seeing him limping around and really is hurt. But the bottom line is when you're that dominant, just like Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals offense is struggling, I looked at Jamar Chase's targets and it's like 10 and 15 and 10. And even though they're not having a lot of success, you know that that's the guy that brings the bacon home. So, you know, hell or high water, if you're going to win or lose, you're willing to lose on his shoulder. And the fact that you don't utilize, you almost try to prove that you can win without utilizing your weapons. Thank God he loves running backs and he utilizes Bijan. Because if he was not using Bijan, not using Drake London, and not using Kyle Pitts, I think there would be a traffic jam of fantasy owners all trying you know, converge on the city of Atlanta simultaneously to literally sit there with pitchforks and torches and find where he lives and literally take him out. Because it is it is it's like the new Belichick. I mean, people just are just counting down the days. Every time Atlanta loses, my heart gets happy because I think there's a chance that he could get fired. Like, imagine a situation like this. The second half of the year goes bad. Ritter's bad. Heineke's throwing yoga balls. It doesn't mesh well. They end up going 5-12. and 12. He gets fired. Minnesota is ready to move on from a 35-year-old Kirk Cousins. All of a sudden, you get uh, the Lions offensive coordinator. He goes to Atlanta. All of a sudden, he's looking around, and he's like, dude, I have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson with a defense, decent offensive line. I'm going to go out here and try to smash record books like I'm the Miami offense. I mean, that happened. I just traded for Kyle Pitts in Dynasty because no matter how bad he is, he is 22 years old. Dalton is 23 and a half years old as a rookie tight end in his squad. Kyle Pitt is still a year away from being into his fourth season before he's with Dalton Kincaid as in his first season. I'm telling you, these shitty coaches don't stick around for long. At some point, you're going to get somebody in there and you're going to see Kyle Pitts and Drake London and these guys go crazy. And Dynasty, get him on the chain. Oh, Dynasty, 100% agree with you. I, I have stashed in a Dynamo League, too. And I'm, I mean, obviously, you know, my plan in that league, I'm on the two or three year plan, which it's trending that way. So it's all things are going good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that Pitts, uh, that we have an emergence or a reemergence or whatever. Or he gets a quarterback or a coach or anything. I'm just. I'm hoping he puts up five catches for 50 yards a game. Honestly, I'd be happy with that right now. Um, but redraft, single season, this outlook for this year is not looking good. And I think the only chance of him kind of being productive is probably Tyler, Taylor Heineke. Uh, Heineke, whatever. You got it. The beer. Um, but speaking yeah. So other guys, um, let's close it out real quick with the last beer in the 12-pack. Um, kind of got to hold it or fold it, right? We already talked about Cup a little bit. Um, you know, there's two huge names this year that started off with some negative press, started off maybe on a little injured, a little nicked. Um, you had Taylor sitting on, on the pup list. You had Cup on IR. Both are back. Both are practicing. What do we do with them? I think anybody that knows me from any of my 
and as somebody that's a co-owner with me, I think anybody would universally say that I may be the best fantasy football trader that's ever existed on planet Earth. So I'll always try to give a little bit, little bit of it, advice, insight to how I view players like this. If you have zero wins, one win, two wins, three wins, four wins, whatever, you have to sit there and look at the potential to cash in on some of these guys. Couple with me with Stafford being one hit away from destroying Nakua in Cup's value and Cup's re-injury rate is high. If I were sitting there and I had Cooper Cup, I would just be trying to send somebody statistics about what he's done in the past. Maybe he gets traded out of there, you know, if everything goes south. There's something going on that reoccurring hamstring injury with guys getting older like that. I think you're playing with fire. You cash those chips in and you try to get what you can on his name recognition. On the opposite end of that, when you look at a player like Jonathan Taylor and the success that Zach Moss has had, you, I would be trying to acquire Jonathan Taylor. In our league, I've contacted Joe and tried to sit there and finagle a trade for Jonathan Taylor when he was low. When you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor, if Zach Moss, who's done nothing in his career, succeeded, and you see him putting up like eye-popping numbers, Jonathan Taylor is going to get 140 or 150% of whatever Zach Moss gets. If Zach Moss gets seven yards on a particular blocked carry, Jonathan Taylor is going to get 19. His home run ability of seeing a scene that Zach Moss takes it for 13 yards and Jonathan Taylor gets to the corner and takes it for 73 yards and wins you the week. The other thing about Jonathan Taylor is everybody's going to be so down on Zach Moss you're going to be able to acquire Zach Moss for pennies. So even if you go out and make a move for Jonathan Taylor, I would immediately go to the Zach Moss owner or pay attention to him getting dropped onto waivers. And even if you're worried about Taylor's ankle, worst case scenario, you get Zach Moss and you still might have a top top 12 bank just on volume. So my advice is trade. Get what you up in uh with Taylor trying to pursue him because in about three or four weeks, you might have Jonathan Taylor up there and Taylor, you CMC and Eckler and B. John Robinson and guys like that. You won't have a shot to get them this cheap again. Yeah. And we're both, I think we're both on the same page. The winner of this season is going to be the one with the running backs because they're so thin that it's going to come down to who has those horses at running back, that CMC, whether it's an Eckler coming back, you know, Taylor, uh, a, a train, whoever it may be, it's that that horse at running back is going to get you over the over the line in the finals because everyone's got wide receivers this year. Everyone, I mean, you have wide receiver rookies emerging left and right. You have, I mean, it's it's the running back thing, and I, I'm actually set up like that in a league. Um, Taylor fell, 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 and I, I snagged him in like the fifth or sixth, um, which was just almost too good to be true. Super flex, so grabbed him in the fifth or sixth. And I snagged Moss. I snagged Moss week one, right? Like he was just floating out there and I just grabbed him, stashed him on my bench, wasn't expecting anything out of him. But I'm like, hey, at least I have somebody that's kind of the starter that we've seen him workhorse before. So I love that recommendation. Go get Moss. I mean, who knows if Taylor's going to play for Indy. You think he's going to get traded? All the reports that I saw today were kind of like a love fest. And uh, I have a lot of Zach Moss. 
and I only have one league out of like a million leagues that I'm in, and I have Taylor in, so I'm very sad about the news. But it sounds like he's come to terms with the fact that he has no leverage, and he has to play at worst if he plays this season and he survives it. He's going to get $10, $12 million on the franchise tag. I mean, he's probably seen glimpses of what Richardson's doing and realize that there, there's a potential little bit of magic there. So it sounds like he's going to come back uh, with his hard hat on and put his best foot forward. So hopefully he stays healthy and hands him out for a year. Hey, I mean, it'd be a lot of fun to watch him out there with Richardson. I'll tell you what, that'd be, be a fun team to watch on Sunday. Absolutely. So usually at the end of our podcast, we like to give out haulers and fallers as a suggestion for the week. I don't personally like giving my baller faller to be an obvious player. So I'm trying to help people out by giving somebody that's a little bit deeper down the ring being here. So to me, what I saw interesting, if you saw me acquire Cole Komet for eight bucks, which is what I thought I would get him for as a tight end, which we're all desperate for tight ends. Since Chase Claypool has been acquired by Chicago as a big slot, almost like Larry Fitzgerald of running, when he's in the lineup, you see uh, Cole Komet only get 13% target share. When he's not in the lineup, hurt or being sent home because he has a bad attitude, he's going to get traded slash potentially cut. Cole Komet has a 28% target share and dominates over the middle. So you're seeing a giant opportunity there in the tight end landscape that is just an absolute dumpster fire. So if there's small chance for as little as it costs to acquire Cole Komet, I have a feeling as bad as the Bears' offense is that you might potentially get gold with that. And then he, my faller is on the same team. You might get some comment stats, but I feel like people that tried to jump to fields and thought they were going to get something from him, just like the Chiefs eyeball test, there's something off about that team. And you got the deodorant of Denver Browns last week to make it look like Justin Fields knows what he's doing. 300 yards for touchdowns, never going to be Justin Fields' game. For him to own four rushing attempts. So he's four rushing, five rushing attempts, 11 rushing attempts in his one week that he really ran a lot, and then he went back to four. Those design runs, seven to 11 design runs, you know, to ragged you're you're not getting that and if you rely on him you're gonna have a lot of disappointing he's he's playing the washington redskins and everybody knows their defensive line is going to get after it the chicago bears can't block for squat that's going to be tough maybe he ends up having to get rid of the ball really quickly you get a bunch of dump offs over the middle to cold net but i would be weary of expecting 30 point games from fields going forward and especially this week yeah, no, I like. Hey, I hope you're right about Komet because I just snagged in the league that I have Mr. Pitts. I just snagged Komet, and Komet might be my saving grace at tight end, hopefully. So bye bye Claypool, and see if you're right, bud. Hope you are. 
Um, so yeah, I, you know, we, the first week that we did this, I tried to challenge myself a little bit, went outside the box. I think I did a layup that was wrong. And I think I did another one that I thought was pretty solid that I was wrong on too, but let's not worry about the past. This is, we're living in the future now. So, um, this week, my, uh, my baller is somebody I've already mentioned, somebody that this is kind of, um, going to put it out into the world and manifest it just like Aaron Rodgers is doing with his, you know. His Achilles is healing. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be back and play this year. Well, Brees Hall has a get right game coming up. Training wheels are off. Target or the um, the snap shares wide open. I'm sorry, the the playing time's wide open. They're not gonna limit his snaps. And guess what? He's got Denver. He's got the get right team, the team that honestly has absolutely no defense. Like, I don't even think they have a defensive coordinator. I think Peyton just said, "F it." And just said, hey, you know what? Let the defense figure it out because, like, that D coordinator was not doing anything. I've I've never seen 70 points in my life watching football or watching a team give up that many. You know, it's just it's just so. Hey, I'm I'm all in for the Brewster this week. I, I hope he tears Denver apart. I need him to. Um, might be a layup. I might be taking the easy way, but you know, the guy's been on a snap. You know, on reduced snaps, hasn't really scored much. You know, he's had you know other than week one. You know, he's been about 10 points or under a week in fantasy. So. I'm expecting probably about 120 to 140 and a touch or two. So I'm open for a big week. My faller, uh, I got a couple. So I, I started off looking at like a Nico Collins. I thought maybe AJ Terrell. I'm like, hey, maybe this could be a, a Tate Dell day, right? Um, pivoted off that though. And I kind of went, I got two guys that I hate them both um, this week, at least this week. One is a lot. We already talked about him. I, I can't play him. I, I hate having him. I hate having him near my lineups right now. I, after what I saw last week, until I see Derek you Carr throw the ball for deep. What's that? Because you're frozen. Yeah, right. Oh, until I see Derek Carr throw the ball for more than five or ten yards, I, I don't know if I can play him. I don't know if I can trust him. So I'm really low on Alave. But my faller this week is Mr. Calvin Ridley. Something's broken Jacksonville, that offense. I thought they were going to take a step forward in year two under Peterson, but they haven't. It looks like they've regressed. Maybe they're still figuring something out. looks like it's Christian Kirk's the wide receiver one. I mean, him and Ingram are pretty much dominating a lot of those kind of lower. Well, we've, you know. we lost him. He uh, is manifesting these fallers at such a level that he just decided to leave the podcast because he just couldn't. Stand the bear. <laughs> Naming him off is not fucking badly a player that he so much uh, stock in. So, well, interesting first uh, podcast on TV. Uh, this podcast is all about peace, and I'm really excited to not have Ryan in here and uh, just carrying him. Exhausting. So, next. Uh, We'll try to make sure. I'm still that. here, buddy. I my apologies. I didn't go anywhere. I was gonna sit back and watch this. This was actually kind of interesting to see where it was going. It's like it's one of those like you leave the room, but you put your phone in the corner with the microphone on to record to see what people talk to you about. Like I just got a little. I see where you were going, bud. You're like a ninja that throws down the little bomb that releases the smoke. And you just like disappear. It's pretty cool. Hey, we all have our we all have our talents, right? <laughs> Next, we may have better microphones and we might have better webcams. Tune in. To the 
Thanks we might, for we might we might bring a guest of uh, functional panel. Maybe we'll have a guest on. See you later. Later, buddy. Great times. Bye, listeners. Subscribe, like, comment. I don't know. It's a little bit of things that we're supposed to say in closing to get more followers. Do all that stuff. Make us popular. Make us famous. We love you. We do it for you. Bye, guys. Bye.